Kia ora, I'm Emile Donovan, and today on The Detail, we're staying close to home. Broadcasting is shaping up to become a major election issue. The Minister has ordered a study into the possible creation of a super-sized public broadcaster that could see TVNZ and Radio New Zealand merge. Strong and independent media is an important part of our democracy and our sense of identity as a nation and increased competition from overseas and changes to the way that people are accessing content are putting pressure on our traditional media. The plan is for a public broadcaster that would get government funding but would also be able to raise commercial revenue. Six months later, plans for the biggest shift in the history of public broadcasting in this country are now being mulled over by a governance group of media experts chaired by former NZ First MP Tracy Martin. But now the landscape has tilted and there are questions over why we're meddling in something that appears to be working. Why do we need this Uber organisation that will be a clash of cultures, it'll cost 300, 400 million and it, it, it could turn into a shambles? Despite the similar-sounding names, RNZ and TVNZ are a bit like chalk and cheese. One's radio, the other's TV. One's commercial, the other publicly funded. In theory, rolling them together shouldn't be too hard. But what works in theory doesn't always work in practice. The merger idea was floated when all media outlets were struggling, with advertisers deserting for online platforms and TV viewer numbers declining. But Newsroom's media commentator Mark Jennings says the post-COVID situation is a bit different. If a new public media entity is the answer, then what is actually the question we're asking? Because at the moment, I don't think anything's broken. If you look at TVNZ, it's probably in the strongest position it's been for a decade. Its massive investment in online platforms is paying off. It's got its cost base down to a very appropriate level. It's right on top of its opposition in terms of TV3. One's news is utterly dominant. I think that the taxpayer would not have to put any money into TVNZ for probably a decade, maybe even longer, maybe never. If you look at RNZ, I think it's right on top of its game. Audience levels have never been higher. I mean, you take shows like Checkpoint, Morning Report, Catherine Ryan, they're all doing record figures. Sure, it could do with a little bit more money, but it's not broken. It, it's, it's going superbly. I mean, maybe if you go back and look at pre-COVID, where audience levels were declining and media was struggling, perhaps you, you could think about it then. But post-COVID, things have improved. Um, trusted news sources are, are much more sought out. Um, RNZ, TVNZ have have come to the fore. Other mainstream uh, commercial media organisations are doing better. The general public recognises a need to pay for news now. So we're, we're in a different situation. I think the government could help by, yes, putting a bit more money in, which it is doing um, over the next three years. I don't think it needs to take this really dramatic step and shove two very different organisations together. But if a merger does go ahead, what would this new media behemoth look like? How would it be funded? And if the answer to that is the taxpayer, will you get a say?
Miles Thomas is the chair of the Better Public Media Trust, which lobbies for more resourcing for public media. There's so many different ways it could be done. It's it's a real challenge to work out how to merge the two organisations because they've been apart for a very long time. Getting back to your question as to why they would be merged, yeah, good question. I think the reason is probably that something had to be done. Yeah, TVNZ just can't go on being its, its publicly owned commercial TV network. It just doesn't make any sense. So either you sell it or you merge it with RNZ. And they didn't want to sell it, so they're going to have, they, they have to merge it in some way or do something with it. You, you mentioned earlier that TVNZ in its current sort of um, iteration doesn't make any sense. Why not? Because the government shouldn't be in the business of commercial broadcasting. I think that's pretty much accepted, especially by the other commercial broadcasters. And we see that with TVNZ. They have a very... They have an overly strong hold on the industry and uh, other networks really struggle to get a look in. But it's because broadcasting is more than just a commodity. It's about culture. It's about uh, building society. And it's about also about de- democratic conventions as well. So for the government to be involved in uh, a commercial television production or television network it means that they're not actually fulfilling those roles of proper democracy. They don't have do- uh, very few docu- documentaries, for example. Political coverage is pretty sensationalistic and not in-depth. And so they're not fulfilling democratic uh, responsibilities. Their cultural responsibilities are uh, not being covered in that they're, they're very slack at representing the full breadth of New Zealand culture. RNZ is a is described often as a pure public broadcaster. So it it makes no money whatsoever from advertising or anything like that. All of its money comes from the Crown through NZ On Air, correct? That's right. And TVNZ, on the other hand? TVNZ's money all comes from advertising. All of it. Yeah, although they are subsidised quite heavily with New Zealand On Air programmes. Mm. Most New Zealand On Air programmes are on TVNZ mm. just because um, TVNZ have got the audiences. Um but is TVNZ state-owned? It's entirely owned by the state? Yes, entirely owned by the state, okay. and it's a, it's a crown-owned entity. They've always made a profit, and because it's always been profitable, television mm-hmm. production. I guess that's where the tradition of having a commercial TV channel comes from. Um, but recently it has become less and less and less profitable, as we know. And um, so the government has excused them from making a profit, and you know that's another reason why changes need to be made, because TVNZ can't go on. You know, in its commercial state, because it's actually going to stop making money. The model for the new entity is being described as mixed funding, meaning it would be funded by a combination of public funding and advertising revenue. At the moment, RNZ runs on a budget of about 48 million bucks a year, which all comes from the Crown, from you, essentially. Meanwhile, TVNZ brings in about $286 million a year from advertisers. So, How exactly would this mixed funding model work? Stephen Parker is a former journalist and TV3 political editor who's written a piece for Newsroom about this prospective merger. To some degree, this is a bit of a guessing game uh, because the governance group is going to create a a business case and they'll look at, apart from the the sort of strategic reason why we need to do it, uh, what are the viable models, and then they would presumably play around different models on on how that works. My best guess is what they're talking about is putting the two entities together and the kind of like radio New Zealand aspect is left as uh, non-commercial 
and the TVNZ aspect is left as commercial. So they kind of carry on as they do. And then the idea moving to the sort of digital future where linear television, for example, fades away and there's more focus on on-demand online content is kind of created and, you know, maybe you create your own joint website and so on. And there might be a commercial activity around the website, So, which is something which has happened with the BBC. So um, some of the BBC websites have got um, commercial revenue gathering aspects to it and the former editor of The Guardian, Alan Rushbridger, is quite critical of that website uh, for some of the kind of native advertising practices that have occurred through it. But that sort of seems to be what it is. So it's kind of like not too radical and they'll try and kind of like say, okay, Radio New Zealand, you carry on with this and, and TVNZ, you know, you carry on with this and we'll kind of focus on the middle platform that will gather some revenue. The Crown will put in money. There's a question of how New Zealand on air funding works with it and you still keep earn, earning revenue. And they'll just, they're probably described as a not-for-profit so they might reduce the commercial imperatives on it. Of course, this still leaves the small issue of the public part of the funding. Overseas public broadcasters like the BBC and even Ireland's RTE, which also runs a mixed model and is seen as a possible model for this new entity, use TV licences to raise funds. Essentially, this means if you own a TV, you have to pay an annual fee in order to use it. Generally, that's less than 200 bucks a year. There are serious benefits to a licence fee. Here's Miles Thomas again. It's untouchable by the government. So they'll have successive governments in Ireland, but the licence fee goes on. And I'm sure there'll be grumbles uh, about it, and perhaps they're going to change the licence fee with now that people are watching TV or video on their phones rather than on their TV sets. But the licence fee is separate from the politicians. But there's an issue. A lot of people don't own a TV these days. You can watch TV programmes on your phone, on your laptop. You can probably watch them on a fridge if you live with the Generation Z. Which leads Miles to conclude... We can't get a licence fee in here. There's no way we're going you back to You don't think that. so? No. But, we, but at Better Public Media, we really strongly think that a, a levy would work really well. Mm. And levy is where all the ISPs... It's actually currently a levy called the Telecommunications Development Levy, uh, where all the ISPs, um, every account that they have, $1 comes from that, or or a small amount comes from that monthly bill. ISPs being internet service provider. Thank you. Um, uh, Yeah, a dollar a month goes from... comes from each account and goes into a pool that paid for rural broadband rollout, filling in some of the black spots of mobile phone coverage on State Highway 1, and so on. And it's been scaled back in the last few years, but it still exists. That's pulled in $50 million a year. And the cost to the average consumer was about $1. A dollar. No one noticed. And we, we pay levies on our insurance. We pay levies on our rates. We're used to levies. And, and you know, we, once we're used to them, we let it go. And we know that it's going to be a worthwhile thing because it's actually, you know, it would affect everyone's daily life. We'd suddenly have much better television to watch. That would be... That would be so much better. And so we can see the, the benefits. And so you think Better Public Media would like that to be on the ISPs again? Yep. Yep. But it could be broadened out. The uh, panel might decide that they want to ease the pressure on the ISP so they could uh, increase the levy to uh, whenever a screen is sold. Yeah. So you go to Noel Leeming, you buy your phone, and you pay an extra couple of bucks, which you're not going to notice mm-hmm. when you've spent 1200 
or $300, which goes to this kitty that pays for the actual the media you're going to watch on that device. Indeed. It makes sense. I mean, all the digital disruptors, they're making money from the disruption that has happened to TVNZ and to New Zealand's broadcasting sector. Mm. It's not insensible to actually for them to pay for the disruption that they're benefiting from, they're profiting from. Even if the huge issue of funding can be overcome, then there's compatibility. Because RNZ and TVNZ are tremendously different organisations. Back to Stephen Parker. I think there's a kind of a Cold War going on behind the scenes. I don't want to make that sound like clickbait, but... If I'm Paul Thompson... Paul Thompson is RNZ's chief executive and editor-in-chief. And I'm going, well, I'm charged with this organisation with a strong public media ethos. I'm really quite worried about working in with this kind of giant-sized TVNZ that's got the commercial model. How do I ensure that the public media ethos runs true? And so when he appeared, along with TVNZ for that matter, and the minister at a select committee recently... Paul's argument was, we are the guys that are good at public media. We live, we breathe it, it's our passion. We've got transferable skills, so we'll come in and basically take the heart and soul of the entity. And um, the TVNZ chief executive uh, was saying, well, when you talk about public media goals, you know, you tend to be talking about niche content, and that doesn't really generate much revenue. Mm. And so, actually, you know, my goal is to produce content that wins audience. So in the middle here, which is one thing the governance group is going to um, consult on, is a charter. And I'm slightly critical of the charter because I think the charter tends to be a bit of a philosophical guide. Mm. But if you've got a revenue objective built in there somehow, um, you know, there will become daily existential choices on content. So you go, okay, do we put Shortland Street on or do we you know or The Bachelor we know that it's going to rate high uh, young people might watch it and it'll be popular through our social media platforms and we'll achieve the objective of getting young audiences and advertisers want to advertise and advertisers want it so there's an imperative there or do you go well actually what the country really needs to know is understand the history of the Murray Land Wars and we've got a great you know doco mm. we should put that on at 8.30 at night and push it through our channels who wins that war who controls the organisation? Who determines that? Public media also is about entertaining people as well as informing them, yeah? So it's not quite as simple as just saying, get all, get rid of all the reality TV. It's about having a range of programmes, yeah? So TVNZ is more or less just reality TV and the news and some cheap programmes, you know, because I've worked in reality TV myself, and it's, it's, it's great. They're great programmes. They're fun to watch, but they're meaningless and irrelevant to life and uh, they're pure entertainment and that's important for people at times but also there's got to be a range and we've lost over the last 10, 20 years loads of different genres that are really important to people. For example, I grew up with wildlife documentaries. Those on the run were birds, the moa, the laughing owl, the kokako and the takahe all made a last stand here in Fiordland. We don't get those anymore, especially New Zealand made ones. I grew up with just regular documentaries and current affairs in the evening during the week. I remember sitting with my mum and dad in bed watching Eyewitness News at nine o'clock, and I was, what, eight? Mm. You know, and children don't get that chance now, and, and adults don't get that opportunity now either. And that's just two of the genres. There's also kid-op TV series are not made anymore. Lots of children's programs are 
relegated. It's good night from Channel 2. Programs that are for different minority groups, different ethnicities or different um, other types of minorities are either relegated to Sunday morning or not at all. And interestingly, Sunday morning is the non-commercial time. <laughs> you know, so that's, it's, it just says it all. Here's Paul Thompson talking to Media Watch. I mean, the last thing that New Zealand needs is a publicly owned, commercially funded or commercially dominated media entity that's going to create more pressure for the media sector, which is already experiencing lots of challenges. And the public media entities within that need to make the whole ecosystem healthier, not less healthy. TVNZ is by some distance the biggest TV channel in the country by audience size. RNZ is also by quite a distance now, I think, the biggest radio station in the country by audience size. If those two relative behemoths joined forces, they would, wouldn't they just dominate the broadcast media landscape completely? It would suck to be a commercial player in that environment. It's another good um, argument for removing adverts from TVNZ. And I think that that's uh, another important part of what we're talking about. And hopefully a part of the merged uh, organisation is that they will reduce. And I mean, I'd love it if they just removed all advertising wholesale Mm. from TVNZ, made it into the BBC or ABC in Australia. If the no ads would have happened, doesn't that, I mean, that, that, that means it's not mixed model anymore. That's just a pure public broadcaster. Totally. And you know who else would be happy is the commercial broadcasters because suddenly they've got a whole lot of advertisers coming their way. Wow, so you're saying in an ideal world, you wouldn't want a mixed model. You'd want a pure government fronting the cash, pure public broadcaster like the ABC. Yep, it would cost $300 million, more than what it costs now. So the government spends uh, quite a bit now on RNZ and New Zealand on air. But it would be an extra $300 million, but it could come from the levy. Remember the concert FM debacle? Mm, yeah, yeah, that was terrible. RNZ is planning to substantially reduce its classical music station RNZ Concert and replace it on FM radio with music for a younger audience. I think we really come to the heart here of what is the role of a non-commercial public broadcaster I think it's been disastrously handled. You couldn't have done more grand destruction than has been done by the way that uh, this has been handled. I think there's, there's one saving grace, and that is that Radio New Zealand's own news and current affairs had the courage to actually pick up this issue and ask some very hard questions. And if anything, saves the integrity and reputation of RNZ. I'll say now, I used to work for Radio New Zealand. This podcast is partially funded by Radio New Zealand. People might viably accuse me of having a dog in this fight. I, I don't. I don't. I really don't think that I do. I think that I have a reasonably objective view of this. But I do suspect that perhaps the government is underestimating the strength of feeling towards Radio New Zealand in particular and that moves to dilute what is Radio New Zealand now or how it exists in people's minds may be met by a pushback that will make the concert one look like child's play. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. And that is, there's everyone, everyone that I talk to is concerned and just really doesn't think that it's worth it. Um, I think that it's worth it. I think there's an opportunity to make TVNZ better, but a, a lot of people are very afraid of what it's going to do to RNZ. I think Minister Farfoy is totally underrating the pushback that he's going to get here, particularly around RNZ. There's a loyalist group which is a, 
a, a very dedicated and can be very vociferous group. They are getting from RNZ what they want. They do not want that organisation swallowed up or changed. And he's going to have to do a really good job convincing people if he's going to go ahead with this. And I'm not sure he can. I've heard Chris Farfoy now say on numerous occasions, I want my children to have what I had. But he doesn't really explain what that is. Um, And I don't really understand that. I don't hear many kids um, screaming for things that um, they're not getting. I think he needs to really um, explain that more because if it is talking about sort of niche programming or Susie Cato or whatever he's referring to, I think that can be done. Um, NZ On Air can, can fund that. Uh, he, he could give NZ On Air another $10 million or whatever and say, all right, I want it uh, to go to uh, multicultural um, broadcasting for children. That's achievable. I, again, I don't think you need to create some mega organisation to fill those holes. I don't think Farfoy, although I think he's, he's really well motivated and he's genuinely got the media's best interests at heart, but I don't think he's articulating the problem very well. Finally, on this um, bullet points, what sorts of stuff would you like to see come out of this new entity? Sustainable funding with a levy. That's crucial. A strong charter that uh, statutorily guarantees that non-commercial elements of the network, the funding stays the same, and that the funding model, the the funding structures between the commercial and the non-commercial are completely separate. I would like to see less ads, less ads on TVNZ, and ideally, I would like to see no ads on TVNZ. I think if it's not, it's it's three hundred million to do that. I think it's worth it. And, of course, you want funding for the detail podcast to be ring-fenced in perpetuity? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> what do you mean you don't? <laughs> All right, we're done. That's it for today. I'm Emil Donovan. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Miles Thomas, Stephen Parker and Mark Jennings. Kaki te ano.